So first off, I just want to start by saying Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas in the house. Yeah, let's give our mums a clap. And also, my thoughts are with everybody today whose mother isn't in their life, those who have lost mothers, those whose role, the role of mother has been vacated for whatever reason. And I just pray God will comfort you today and that he will be with you. And also, welcome, we have, to everybody who's visiting, especially to um, Fire and Fragrance South Africa, where you guys, welcome, it's awesome to have you in the house. And also, um, happy Mother's Day to my mum and my granny who are here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, I was asked to share the message today and I was given the theme of legacy. And when I think of motherhood, oh, there you are. I couldn't think of anything better than legacy to share on. And whether you are a biological mother or a woman who supports and nurtures spiritually uh, or is just there for people, man, what you are doing is leaving a legacy. Our legacy is one that will echo through generations. We serve, I wrote this little thing out and I just, I did want to just share it like right off script because when I was reading it, or writing it, it kept making me cry because I was like, man, it's such a massive job, but it is such an honour. And I think many of you will relate to it today. So we serve our families tirelessly and faithfully and the impact that we have on our children and grandchildren is massive. We are or have been the ones at home with the small humans dealing with the minutiae of everyday life day in and day out. We're breaking up fights over who gets the front seat or whose cup is more full. We're wiping bottoms. We're diffusing tantrums from toddlers whose sandwiches have been cut wrong. We're cuddling and soothing hurt and sick little bodies. We're available emotionally, physically, whatever hour, day and night. We give our bodies, our time, and then it comes to a point where we're negotiating with teenagers who are tightrope walking boundaries, loving them through their highs and lows. We're with them through the ravages of hormonal changes. We're waiting up while they're out with friends. And sometimes we're working because survival on one salary is rare these days. And we're expected to work like we're not parents, but we want to parent like we don't work. We're doing our best. We're never not thinking of these people that we once carried inside of us. We go from meeting rooms to dance recitals. We cheerlead, we clean, we feed, we pour and pour out of ourselves, and it can be relentless. But do you know what? It is the most important job in the world. And do you know why? Because we are shaping tomorrow's future. And dads are important too. But today is about mums. <laughs> yeah, don't get hung up on your lack of mention. T- today is about the mums. And a woman who caregive and nurture and support. And also our single dads who play the role of mum and dad. But mums, think about the impact that your mother had on you, whether good or not so good. And think about how important that role is. Our first relationship set the tone of how we're going to expect to be treated and what we're going to expect from love for the rest of our lives. And whether you're doing it intentionally or not, you are leaving a legacy. 
this thought can be hard and overwhelming and parenting can be quite overwhelming at times. It can be scary. And sometimes the job can seem way too big for us and we can feel ill-equipped to prepare these humans for the world, especially the world that's out there today. It is hard. It can be scary. We are imperfect. But guess what? Have you guys heard about the but? The but is the good news. That means it is hard. It is scary. We are imperfect. But... We have a redeemer. We have Jesus. My children are spirited. I'm exhausted. They keep getting in trouble at school. But. So today I'm going to be sharing. This is a message for mothers, but it's actually a message for everybody. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth, which is an interesting book. It's quite short, only four chapters. And on the surface, it might not look like much. It's kind of like easy to consider, like, why is this even in the Bible? It's four chapters. It's named after not even an Israelite woman. It's in the Hebrew Testament, but it's named after a Moabite woman. And it just seems like there's a famine. Well, there were 10 famines in the Old Testament. Why is this one so important? The people leave. They go to another land because of the famine. I mean, wouldn't you? They take their sons, their sons marry, sons and father all die. They return to the homeland, one, the daughter-in-law and the mother, and the daughter-in-law gets married, they end. (laughs) Good story. Yeah, but, so what is so important about it? Like motherhood, the, the, the details can seem unimportant until you look at the bigger picture. And... This story is actually has an incredible legacy. It carries legacy. But the thing that underpins this whole story is a redemption. What is special about this book? Redemption. What is special about any of us other than redemption? What has changed my life and set me on a different track and given me purpose? Redemption. What hope is there for us in this world is redemption. Redemption is hope. It's a second chance. It's grace despite failure. It's a purchase so that we don't have to pay the price of our shortfallings. So what does Ruth have to do with redemption? We'll get there in a minute. Let me just, let's just go over Ruth. Let's just go and look at this right now. Okay, so this book is set at the time when judges ruled Israel. Open saying that way. We know this time was a time of really bad lawlessness that people had fallen into idolatry, that social conditions were paired, people weren't following the law of God well. And it, there's a famine going on. Also, there's a civil war. So it's, not a, it's a pretty hardcore time. And the story begins in Ruth 1, 1 to 2. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of their two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Euphrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So things are bad. A famine hits. They're like, we are are out of here. The thing that happens is they leave the promised land of God. They leave the promise of God to go somewhere else because it looks easier. 
I mean, that's actually a message for a whole other day. <laughs> but what happens is when they move to a country whose name means fatherless, do you know what happens? They become entirely fatherless. What happens is the, 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 the father and the two sons die and, and leaves three widows. In today's world, that can seem like, oh, sad, very tragic, but not a big deal. But you have to understand that things were super different back then. So women in this time were perceived to be the property of either their husbands or their fathers. And they received their protection, their social standing, and their provision all from the men whose house they resided in. Without, so if something bad happened to a woman, the reparations were paid to the man that she belonged to. So it's important to understand this. Suddenly you have women who have no men they belong to and they can be the target of exploitation and lots of horrible things. Which is why the Bible um, regularly, I mean many times, puts forward that, you know, protect your widows, don't exploit your widows, provide for your widows. Because they were the sub, like, unsafe, they were the subject of exploitation. Now, these three women have this against them. What would have theoretically been best is if Orpah, so sorry, their names are Orpah, just so we're on the same page, Ruth and Naomi, and what would have been best is if Orpah and Ruth went back to their father's house and received protection there. And Naomi tries, when they, she says, I'm going home to my homeland, she tries to dissuade them three times. She says, go home to your father's, you'll find a husband and protection there. And twice, Orpah and Ruth are like, no, no, we're coming with you. Finally, Orpah agrees, she goes home. Ruth is like, this is where the famous saying comes in. She says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you of me. Now, my toddlers say this to me every time I go to the toilet. Um, <laughs> and I just want 10 minutes peace. You guys can probably relate. But anyway, this is Ruth. So Ruth follows Naomi back to her, the promised land. So there's a lot going on here. Now you've got Ruth. She's a widow. And she's now in a land where she's a foreigner. And not just any foreigner. Ruth is a Moabite. Moabite are from people who are enemies of God's people. And it says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 23, 3-6, no Ammonite or Moabite or any descendants down to their 10th generation shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So Ruth is a foreigner, She's lost her husband, tragic. She is in a foreign land, not just any foreign land. She's in Israel, and she is an enemy of the people and also cannot enter the assembly of their God, even though she said, I'll make that God my God. So what hope is there for her? The remarkable thing about Ruth's story is that her legacy should have been impossible. For many of us, what we've been through, where we are in life, when we think about legacy, it can feel impossible. But this is the grace of God. He redeems, and his redemption powers the impossible. Whatever your dreams are, whatever you're going through with your children, whether your children are far from God or close, your God has a, redeem, a purpose to redeem and enable and empower a legacy for you and your family. So, but where does this redemption come in for Ruth? Because this is a long time before Jesus. Enter Boaz. Yeah, Boaz. 
Now, Boaz is a good and upright man who fulfills every part of the law of God and the spirit behind it. So he loves his neighbor. He leaves wheat and um, the harvest, some of it behind for the widows to pick up, which was what the law commands. And he fulfills something called leveret marriage. Naomi recognizes that he's able to do this. We are gonna talk about that in a second. And she goes to him and seeks his redemption. So leveret marriage is when someone who is called a kinsman redeemer in the Jewish law, okay, so if a man dies without an heir, someone close to the man will marry his wife to offer her protection and ensure that an heir is left for a dead man. And so Deuteronomy 25, 5 to 6 states, if brothers, and it extends beyond brothers throughout, we start to see throughout the Hebrew Testament, right? Um, if one of them dies without a son, a widow must not marry outside the family. Her fa- husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The son she bears shall carry the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Now, brothers, I want you to think of, of your brother-in-law. Wives, I want you to think of your brother-in-law. How crazy is this law? It's hard to understand in the modern context. Do you know what I mean? But in that time, when you think about widows and the status that they had and their need for protection, you can understand how important it is, also how important legacy is for them. So what Ruth does is she knows that he's actually related to the dead husband, so she goes to him. Ruth 3, 7-9 says, Ruth, Ruth approached quietly. She uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer of our family. This power of redemption for Ruth is life-changing. It gives Ruth and Naomi a hope and a future. He redeems Naomi's bloodline. He offers protection and provision, and... He also redeems a nation. Remember that just before, there was a, there's basically a curse on Naomi, I mean on Ruth, sorry, that she cannot enter the assembly of the Lord, even down to her 10th generation. But then we have just a few chapters, a uh, few books later in the Bible, her great-grandson, David, worshipping in the assembly of the Lord despite his Moabite grandmother. This is amazing to me and I think it really shows God's heart to actually bring all nations to him, that it was always his intention to redeem the nations. And that's literally what happens here. Now because of this, guess what? Ruth's grandson gives us 73 of the Psalms. Her great-great-grandson gives us Ecclesiastes. Songs of Solomon, um, Proverbs. And do you know what else it gives us? It gives us the Davidic covenant that God made with his favorite king, David, that someone would always sit on his throne from his family line and that the Messiah, the savior of the world, would one day come from that family line, that same family line of that Moabite woman. Now, We, like Ruth and Naomi, are called to leave legacies. To raise humans that will impact the world for generations to come. We are called to break curses on our family line from the generations before us. 
We are called to raise generations who are born for a time such as this. But none of this is possible without a redeemer. If Ruth had looked at her situation, like you today, you might look at your situation, you might look at the world your children are going up, growing up in, you may feel scared, you may feel like things are impossible, but you have to know that the grace of the Redeemer is enough for you and for your family. I absolutely hate it when people say to me, like, oh man, the world that your kids are growing up in today is so scary. And I see, like, people fear-mongering everywhere, like in the media, influences. And the thing is, that's not the end of the story. It's like, yes, things are bad, but... And that is the faith that I have. My children were born for a time such as this, and I have faith in that. How do I equip them and prepare them? I, did, I have a redeemer. As parents, we're called to pray and to contend for our children. So how do we do that? What does the story have for us? Like Ruth, we are called to go to the feet of Boaz, well, not to Boaz, sorry, feet of Jesus, my bad, <laughs> wrong person, to the feet of Boaz and wait on him. Yeah, of Jesus. Did I say it again? I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? The feet of Jesus. We are called to go to the feet of Jesus to wait on him and to say, spread your blanket of protection over me and my family. Redeem us. And just like Ruth, many of us are called to break generational curses that have fallen on our family lines. I want to tell you a little bit of a testimony about that. Now, I absolutely believe that at the moment of salvation, God can break generational curses off your life. And that happens. Just like sometimes God heals and delivers from addiction and all at the point of salvation. And sometimes the journey is a little bit longer. So for me and my family, it was a little bit longer. So my family line, I hope this is right, I actually didn't check with Granny and Granddad, they'll be fine with it, I'm sure. <laughs> but they had, our family line had intense Freemasonry on either side of our family. Yeah? Cool. <laughs> um, intense Freemasonry. There was fruit of that all through our generations. Early deaths, heart problems, suicides. As a child, I was intensely tormented, and my grandparents can attest to this. I would see figures standing around my bed. I would have terrible night terrors. I would be so afraid at night that I couldn't sleep. And what I've learned now, that that is actually a common side effect of having this generational line. Now, the important thing, I think, is, I mean, lots of generational curses can just fall like this, but when a generational covenant has been made and it's been called down on family lines, I think an act of repentance can be really important. So my granddad first felt... The other thing, sorry, that I think it ha happened is that there's a real draw to the occult constantly throughout the generations when that's been on the family line. So my granddad felt one day when he was at his church, you need to break off the Freemasonry in your family line. And he didn't totally understand it at the time, but he went to his pastor and they did that. And I believe that there was, there was results, a level of freedom brought for all of us after that. And later on, my granny, she hadn't dealt with her family line, and I asked her if we, she'd like to come to my house and pray, and we prayed and broke that off the family line, and it was powerful. 
it was, I feel like it was key. And because when I say I was tormented as a child with bad dreams and thoughts that people were standing around my bed, I'm talking up until like six years ago. <laughs> my whole life, tormented at night. My mother, she had been drawn to the occult. She was practicing witchcraft and had covenanted into a coven. And it was crazy. She, she has done the work and broken that off her life. I have broken that off my life. And the other day I was at her house and I was leaning up against her bookshelf and I noticed a book and she's cleaned out all of, any, all of the remnants of witchcraft in her house. Her house feels so nice now. And <laughs> now, yeah. But I was standing at the bookshelf and I saw this book and it was like a spell book and she'd just missed it. She'd just not noticed it. And when I picked it up, I felt this feeling wash over me that was so familiar. It was like this heavy, kind of sickening feeling. And I realized that I walked through all my life with this feeling and that I hadn't felt it in a long time. And it was like, wow, the freedom being broken from these generational chains, man, it is so good. And that is only possible because of what Christ did. Because in the Old Testament, it says that the sins of the fathers will fall to the third and fourth generation. Because of what my family have done, we actually, and because going to the Redeemer, and because of what the price that Christ paid, we can be free from that. So I wanted to share that with you today because I believe that there will be people here that can resonate with the story, where there might be Freemasonry in your family line, there might be the occult in your family line, there might have been um, any kind of secret society like that where they have covenanted, made covenants that have and um, promised the generations to, in this covenant that we can break off you today. So. We are called to be redeemed. Let's go back to the facts. And the thing about redemption is it is never meant to end with us. We are redeemed so that we can bring our story and offer this redemption, the redemption that Christ gave us to future generations. And when the redemption that we've received can be handed out to future generations, that is a legacy. So every single one of you, mothers or not, you are called to leave a legacy. You are called to see people free from these generational chains, just like Ruth, freed from the curse of Moabite down to the 10th generation. You are called to be, I mean, mothers, who has a better opportunity to sow into lives and to create a legacy of blessing? Who else is there more? Who else is more present? Who else is got so, as much influence as mothers. Every graze that you lovingly tend to, every heartbreak that you sit through, you are putting a stamp on the future and you are showing what our future generations, you're shaping them to carry Christ and to be the next church and to, to carry love like never before. It's important. Mothers, we honor you today. I hope that from today you understand that your role is important, that even though you might be up all night feeding babies and you may feel like I'm just a milking cow or whatever you feel, <laughs> your role is so much more important than that. It's so much bigger than that. And I hope you know that you have a redeemer 
who has come to ensure that despite the hardness and the weight of this, this role, despite the intensity of this world that your children you're sending your children out into, that you don't have to be afraid. Do not fear the one who can kill the body but cannot touch the soul. Contend for your children. Continually go. If you don't pray every day, can I encourage you 10 minutes? The feet of your Redeemer. It is life-changing. So I just want to pray for people today. Can I have the keyboard back up, please, Faith? Thanks. So I really wanted to open up the opportunity for ministry today. If you are a mother or a father and your children aren't walking with God, I wanted to give you, just I felt this during the week and I feel like there's anointing for this today, that you can make a stand and pray for your children that are not walking with God. Kids, youth, sorry, your parents, if you have parents who aren't, I want to give you an opportunity and we have an amazing You can do it in your seat, but also there's an amazing prayer team who would love to stand with you on this matter. If everyone would just stand up. Thanks, Jack. So I also just want to pray, give the opportunity that if you recognize and your family line around you. Now, generational curses don't have to be hardcore, like Freemasonry and the encold and stuff like that. It could just be that in your family line, you see early death. Or your family always says, this always happens to my family. Or there's like a, um, there's infidelity through your family line. It's like, this does not have to continue because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I want to give you an opportunity to come and receive prayer to break generational curses. Generational curses of addiction, Jesus wants to break those today. So whether you want to stay where you are for praying for those who, we're going to sing a song, you can stay and pray for your children who don't know Jesus. You can also come to the front and have our prayer team stand with you. And for every person here who also needs to, wants to receive prayer for generational things that they want to see their children set free from so that their grandchildren and great-grandchildren can leave a legacy that echoes through eternity and can stand in the assembly of the Lord, today is your day. So just, I'll give it, hand it over to the band now. People will be waiting up front and Kent is going to say something. had an idea from Kent and it is a very good idea so I just want to if you wanted to respond to the message today if you wanted to pray for your children who are walking with the Lord we're all just going to close our eyes and if you'd like to raise your hand I'm just going to pray over you guys and over your family members right thank you Jesus 
Father, we just thank you today that you are a good God. We thank you that you have come, that we can have hope, that we can have a future, but not just for us, but for our generations as well. Father, thank you for every person here, for every family represented, and we just declare every child that does not know you, we just speak Jesus over them. I just declare a heritage of blessing over every person in this place that they might know Jesus, that their children, that their grandchildren, that their great-grandchildren may know Jesus and carry his fire for generations to come. Father, I pray that every person whose child does not know God, that you would just put people in their paths who would preach the gospel to them, who would show them the love of Christ, that would point them back towards home, Father. Lord, and let them not forget the way that they were brought up, the days of their youth, Father. Lord, I pray for your grace. I speak grace, grace over every family in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the testimonies that will come for this, for the prodigal sons who will return to home. We just anoint every family here. Just uh, before we finish today, there's something that was kind of clear to me when Sarah was speaking. She was talking about, you know, sleep deprivation, generational curses, uh, things that you're living with that God doesn't want you to be living with. And, um, and, and I think if you, you'll know that if that's you or not, you know what I mean? Like, um, but there was a, the, the pattern is that there is this problem and then there's an act of repentance where you come out and you say, God, I, I feel this in my life and I feel this, see this on my family. And Lord, I want to say sorry, Lord, and I want to repent from my sin, the sins of my parents or grandparents or whoever it is. But Lord, I want to see that thing broken. And there's nothing more powerful than walking out of this building free today because of Jesus has broken something off your life. And I think uh, it's such a good message and I want you to keep speaking. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. Uh, so, the, and there's, so there's the act of repentance, there's the breaking of these curses, and as we pray in Jesus' name, those things are broken. Oh, she's back, yes. Um, I just wanna clarify that in this act of repentance, it's not necessarily, it might feel like, I haven't done anything wrong, but it's standing in on behalf of your generations before you and repenting on their behalf, and then just praying forgiveness on behalf of all the generations before and those that come after. So I just wanna clarify that. Yeah, so what's gonna happen is, if that's you right now, we're gonna pray, I'm gonna get Sarah to pray. The anointing's on her for this message, right? So that's why she's gonna pray. And the power of the anointing is gonna come on you, if that's you, as you respond in an act of repentance, and God's gonna come and set you free today because there's power in His name. Every knee must bow to the name of Jesus. That's the name by which we live by and that's the name by which we're saved by today. Amen? So if that's you, if you know there's something in your life you want to respond today, you can come out the front. You can step out of your row. You can just raise your hands right where you are and we're going to get Sarah to pray for us right now and it's going to be broken. You're going to walk out free today. And if you feel like that's not enough, we've got a prayer team who are like armed and dangerous, ready to roll down here. So you just come right up the front right now and you'd be like, yeah, that's me. Um, this is the zone. I'm, I'm in here right now.
come on. If that's you, just be bold. You know, there's something, there's something going on in your life and you're like, this, this, is, this needs to be broken. I'm, actually, you know what? I've, I've had enough of this right now. I've had enough. I'm putting my pride aside and I'm actually going to trust you, Lord, and trust your name for my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out and I'm going to do something now. I'm, I've had enough. Like, you know what I mean? When you had enough, pride goes out the window. Dignity goes out the window. You just need to get to Jesus right now. That's you. You need to respond. Come on. Let's go. Have a think about it. I'll just let you think about it for a minute. It's a good word, man. It's a word that brings freedom in Jesus' name. Yeah. Are you ready? She's ready. You ready? If you lift your hands right now, come on. Let's receive. Father, we come before you and we stand on behalf of all those who have gone before us and all those who will come after us. And in the name of Jesus, we just pray that you would break every curse off our family lines. We just declare that every oath that was made, every covenant that was spoken out over us, every generation that was promised to Satan right now, we just declare that every word will fall flat, will have no power over me and over my generations to come. We just declare and we just pray, thank you, Jesus, that you went to the depths of hell, that you returned with the key, that we could plunder everything that was stolen from us. Everything that these, these oaths have taken from us, we just pray that you would return what the locusts have stolen. And in the name of Jesus, I just speak to every door that's been opened to the spirit, to the spiritual, and not a good way. I declare you closed right now, and I declare every spirit of darkness that has come through these, these generational curses that you must leave, you must flee now because of the name of Jesus. We speak Jesus in every place where there was once darkness, where there was once the Spirit that was not of God, we just declare your Holy Spirit would fill that place, Lord God, to a newer place. In every practice and um, initiation where people put were hoodwinked, where they were covenanted into spiritual blindness, I just declare those hoodwinks be removed in Jesus' name. Every shackle we just declare it broken in Jesus' name. And we declare your power here today. We give you all the glory, Jesus. We praise your name and thank you. No weapon formed against these people shall prosper. In Jesus' name. So good. There's, uh, if there's something that is on your mind right now, I feel like someone's got uh, like some words going through their mind about um, a stronghold, then like, we can renounce that. So you can say, I just renounce that in Jesus' name. I renounce those things off my life, off my family line. I renounce those in Jesus' name because Christ has come to give us life. I'm thinking about um, when Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says, uh, you know, will, are you guys going to leave as well? And, and one of them might have been Peter. He says, Lord, where, where would we go? You, you, you have the words of life. He has the words of life. Let's sing it. Come on. What a day. And Sarah, that was an amazing word. Um, one of the things can I encourage you is that the devil wants us to think that we are the only person going through whatever it is 
that's going on in our mind and our heart and he makes us feel dirty and ashamed can I just tell you that he's a liar and that you were not alone and he says that lie to each and every one of us if you turn to your neighbor he's told your neighbor that same lie and so don't can I plead with you don't leave today believing that lie that you are ashamed you're shameful and that you are dirty and that nobody will understand and people will look at you differently it's such a lie Jesus came to remove shame, to remove shackles, that we may be free, that we may live abundantly great, great lives. Not necessarily easy, but great lives. Amen. And our Redeemer lives today. He is so faithful. And I just want to take this moment just quickly. Um, if you are a mother in this house today, we just want to honour you. Um, as you leave, we've just got some little um, little things for you. So on our picture, you saw advertised picture of an acorn representing, you know, just like that legacy. And, you know, I was just quickly reading about oak trees and how they live to about a thousand years, usually about 600. And that is the power of the legacy that we get to leave just by sowing something so small. And so as Sarah beautifully articulated today, mums do not underestimate the power of what it is that you do. And it's okay to feel like you want to give up because we've all been there many times, sometimes every day. <laughs> but God, but God. So can I encourage you? We just want to bless you. There's also a table with some scones and things specifically for mamas, children and men. It's for our mums. So be blessed. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. If you need ministry, don't believe the lie of the devil today. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus today. <laughs>